What an honor to be here to, again today. Um, so excited about what God is doing in marriages. Marriage is important. Um, I think a lot of times we take it very lightly and we don't take it serious enough to know the importance of the strength of marriage and what God will do through us and use us to encourage others. You know, because there are congratulations to the ones that are just starting off two weeks. I remember those times, two weeks, two months. We loved each other at first sight. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> but boy, did we have to walk through some things to get to where we had to get. But it's okay to walk through it and go through it to get to where you have to get. Of course, I wore these pants today because I thought of, about the hogs, the redskins. I don't know if CP's here. He was here last night, but I thought about him, one of the greatest running backs I've ever seen to play football and for the Redskins. I'm glad he's here, and he was here last night. And if he's here tonight, praise God for you, brother. Yeah. So let us pray. Father, we love you. We honor you. Praise you. We thank you. We glorify you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for our opportunity, Lord, just to be able to speak. Not about oneself, but to speak about you, Lord. Speak about you, that sh the great things that you do in our life, Father, that we don't deserve, but you give it to us anyway. You bless us anyway. You strengthen us every day. I thank you for every couple that's here. I thank you for those that are uh, thinking about marriage, Father, that they will enter in into the covenant with you. Thank you for this wonderful church, the pastors and the staff and everyone that has done such a great treatment to me and Tracy. We love you, Lord. We praise you for them, and we're our church family. We're the body of Christ. We bless you, honor you, praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 It's, like I said, it's such an honor to, to be, for me, it's such an honor to be anywhere. If you know what I'm saying. Some of us need to think about that, where God brings, what God brings us from and what he does in our life. If only if we submit ourselves, especially as a man, if we, you know, it's so important that we get to that place where we start submitting ourselves to the Lord and, and coming to a place and being a man, a man's role. What is a man's role? Oneness. What is his oneness with God? Coming to, to a place with God and, and, and aligning yourself up with God's principles about life. How do we do that? How do we get there? What do we do? The Bible speaks of four areas of oneness regarding your life. Your relationship with God, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with friends, and your relationship with the church. That's the oneness that God talks about. Ephesians 5.25 talks, talks about a man is to love his wife as, God, as Christ loved the church. A man should love his wife. It said wives in there, but you only can have one. <laughs> Some of us might think it's, 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 we need others. No, he's talking about all husbands, you know, so we need to understand that. I just wanted to clarify that. Yes. So we make sure we understand that. He ain't <laughs> make it plain. That's right, Pastor. Got to make it plain and keep it plain because we need to understand that. A man should love his wife. 
That's Christ loved the church. And he loved his bride. He loves the church. He's coming back for it. So guess what? That means he's coming back for us too. And we need to be prepared. But your relationship with God is so important for you as a man, your relationship in Christ. Become heavily minded. Colossians 3.2 talks about set, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. To set your mind on things above. Too many of us set our minds on the things on the earth and we miss what's going on above. You miss that you can enter in with God and hear from the kingdom. See, I didn't realize that I could enter in with God and hear from the kingdom until I submitted myself and my relationship with God. My relationship with God is more important than anything in this world. It's more important than my wife. It's more important than my kids. It's more important than my job. It's more important than the house, the bank account. Because the bank account and the house ain't mine anyway. God's just loaning it to me. So I need to get past all that stuff and understand God's just loaning it to me because I can't stay here. So I need to set my uh, mind on my relationship with God, me as a man. I need to be committed. I see I'm totally sold out. There was a time that I wasn't sold out to nothing but me. But I'm totally sold out to Jesus because I have that one-on-one relationship with him. And it's so vital for you to be able to understand that as a man, that, that that relationship is so important to you to be able to enter in with God and talk with God and let God speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and lead you and walk you into all righteousness. No one else can do that but the Holy Spirit. We could try it ourselves, it won't work. Because guess what? We'll be in the natural, we'll be in the flesh. You know, and what does the flesh want? Gentlemen, more. I need more of this. I need more of that. I need more stuff. But see, what I need is more Jesus. That's what I need. I need that stronger relationship with him, that encounter with him where it is just me and him, and I could lay with God. And when I lay with God, God speaks to me. I can only hear God when I spend time with God. I can't hear, you know, if I'm just talking about God and not spending time with God, I don't know God's voice. Because all these other distractions are speaking to me over and over. Amen? Amen. Point number two, your relationship with your wife. Wow. Wow. Your relationship with your spouse, your mate. It's so important to have a strong relationship with your mate. You guys be able to dialogue and communicate and, and, and deal with things. And even when you fight. Oh, don't act like we don't fight. Come on. <laughs> don't act like we don't say some things. We'd be like, oh, Lord, I need to go back into my closet. You know, I remember it was a time when I, me and Tracy used to fight. I remember it was a time we fight, and I wouldn't talk to her for three days. Now it only takes maybe a couple hours I go in there and I get right with God. See, because I got to go back in there, I got to go look at me. I ain't talking about looking at her. I got to go look, look at me. And I understand that relationship is so important to understand that that one that you have with your wife, that you don't look at her, you look at yourself, gentlemen. It's okay to look at yourself. We don't have to be all that. 
Somebody told us we had to be all that. The devil is a liar. You know, you need to understand, you don't have to be all that to have a great relationship and, and with your wife, your girlfriend, or whatever it may be, fiance, whatever it may be. When you look at you and you correct you, you can always go back and say, forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. See, because we think, you know, uh, you know as, as a gentleman, we think because, you know, I, I'm, I'm providing for you and I'm taking care of you, I could just say anything. Well, I'm taking care of you, I'm taking care of these kids. Well, that's what you're supposed to do, knucklehead. <laughs> that's what God called us for. That's our responsibility. We're supposed to do that anyway. So I used to be like that. I'm like, God, God when I used to go back in my closet with God, God goes, what is wrong with you? And he was right. You know, what is wrong with me? I allow myself to just, you know, be any way, say any kind of things, you know, just because, you know, I think because I'm taking care of my family. Well, that's my job. I suppose to take care of my family. I suppose to get up and provide for them, whatever, whatever it takes for me. I didn't lay down my life for my family, for my wife, for my kids. I didn't lay down my life. I want them to have it all. It don't matter what I get, Lord. Just give me, just give me you. That's what I start asking God for. Just give me you. I want the power of Jesus. I want the power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I don't want no more of this other stuff. I didn't have all that stuff. That stuff didn't work. But I said, when I got the power, see, I got wisdom and knowledge when I got the power of Jesus. See, there was a whole difference that I was looking for. See, I thought I had everything, but it wasn't until I found Jesus, then I got everything. Because my relationship with my wife is important. And don't let folks get in the business, in, in, in your business either. Don't be on that phone, ladies, gossip. Girl, do you know what my husband? <laughs> girl, you, girl, you see, she on the back of that phone thinking, girl, I'll take him if you don't want him. <laughs> I'll take him. Now, you know, it's, ain't that many good mans out here these days, you know? <laughs> you better be careful who you're talking to. Because you got a home and you got a happy home just because you have a, a couple uh, problems here and there. They, that, that single woman, she's she looking on this girl, you don't want him, give him to me. <laughs> be careful who you talk to, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> just be careful. Just, I just try to keep it real. You know, we, we keep our life simple. We don't let a lot of folks in our life. We only let family, church family people in our life. I decided I wasn't going to no longer going to let worldly people in my life anymore. See, the church family is our family. We all need to know this. We got problems. We got to deal with them with some people that's been through some stuff. That can help you out, help you walk through what you need to walk through in your marriage. You need to understand that. Don't be telling these, your, your, your in-laws and, and, your, and your families, because, you know, they, 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 got, they got their own troubles too if they don't know Jesus. You know, if you know Jesus, you know, you need to uh, come and, and involve yourself in the church and in some marriage counseling, some groups, and you need to get in there and you need to get real with yourself. 
get real. Go ahead, just cut on yourself. Because <laughs> you got to cut on yourself to get all that garbage out in your marriage. It's just like having surgery. When I, they went in and had the surgery on me when I had cancer, what did the doctor do? He had to cut me open to go in to get the cancer out. He had to take the tumor out. I had cancer twice, lost my left, left tumor, I mean, my left kidney in the second surgery. He had to go in there and take the kidney out. It's the same thing when you start to cut on your marriage and cut on the stuff. You got to take the, the stuff out that's killing you so you can be healed and delivered and set free and empowered by God. Number three, your relationship with your friends, brotherhood. Relationship with our friends. Now, you go, now brothers, you're going to have to find some different kind of brothers. <laughs> Not them ones talking that craziness. I had to get rid of all my See, friends, I, I was a fool, and fools were following me. <laughs> now, now, now how, how much sense does that make? You know, I'm the biggest fool, and I got a bunch of fools trailing behind me following me, and we all doing the same thing. See, a fool would lead a fool into a ditch. He won't tell you. He'll, he'll, he'll brag. He'll say, oh, man, you got it going on. You this, you that. That's what all the fools used to say with me. Yeah, because I had all the money. And I could take them everywhere. And I could get them in every place. And I used to sit back and think, I say, something wrong with this. <laughs> but, I, but I still couldn't get it because I wasn't there with God. And I was still in the world, you know, so something was really wrong. I knew something was wrong, but I just didn't know how to fix it. So I just kept doing and repeating the same thing over brotherhood. We call ourselves brotherhoods. We, we, doing, we, we cool, we bad, we going to do it, all this, you know. Oh, man, fools, all of us. <laughs> all of us on our way to hell. And that's real. Because, see, the enemy does never tell you about that part of your life. He, 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 for, he forgot to tell me, by the way, you coming with me. <laughs> I'm going to let you be a fool and call yourself brotherhoods and be this way and be that way in the world. But I forgot to tell you in the end, you coming with me. He forgot to tell me. He didn't forget to tell me. He just didn't want me to know it. See, I had to figure it out myself that I ain't going in that pit because it's hot down there and he won't company and I'm not going to be his company. I was already his company on earth doing what I was doing until I said yes to Christ. So I no longer belong to him. I belong to Jesus. My, you know, my life is eternal. I got the eternal brotherhood coming in my life now. Not the old brotherhood being a fool with fools running with fools. And, and we got it going on and out there doing an electric slide and, and back to the left, to the right, you know. And... Come on, I just keep it real, you know. But I come to church, and I can't sing hallelujah and praise God. But you see me in the club, I'm bumping and, you know, sliding and everything else and doing all that. Then I, oh, well, I don't want to go to church because something might have to change if I go to church. Some of that stuff not might have to change. It all has to change when you start coming to church. 
because God starts to chisel at your heart. Brotherhood, relationship. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I got to get rid of the old before I can walk into the new. I got to get rid of the old. If I want the new, you ain't going to never get the new until you get rid of the old. Till you walk away from the old you, that old personality, that old, the way you talk, stuff you talk about, the foolishness you talk about, until you walk away from that, you can never walk into the new what God has for you. And God has something incredible for you at the new. God has something totally incredible for us. We just don't know it because we never enter in with God. Most of us stay like this. We straddle. We hang on. One, 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 minute, one minute is Jesus. Next minute, I'm somewhere else on a Saturday night where I ain't got no business being. See, you got to come all the way in. It can't be no, this is not an in-between game with God. This is not, it don't work like that. You can never, you can never have the victory in Christ. You know, Christians, I see, I wanted to be like those Christians, like pastor and, and that was before I used to sit and they would sit there and they talk about being holy and righteous and living. I was like, man, can't nobody live holy and righteous. I'm, li- I'm sitting here, I'm living like a fool. I'd be in church and used to think that, but I'm going to tell you something. You can be holy and righteous and have so much joy and fun being a Christian. You be thinking you're going to miss something. No, I ain't missing nothing. There ain't nothing out there. Guess what? When I started preaching, when God called me seven years ago and told me to close my restaurant business and everything, and I walked away from everything in New York, when God called me and said, you're going to preach, I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> he said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. And then I finally said, yes. And I said, looked out that window, and I closed everything. Me and Tracy, I looked out that window at the apartment, and I just cried. <sighs> Because I knew I was done. I knew it was time to obey God and follow God. That's the challenge for you men today, some of you. God is saying, follow me. I had to take the uniform off. I had to hang up the cliques. I had to hang up the restaurant business. And I had to follow God. I didn't know what God had for me. But I know one thing God said, I said, well, what am I going to do now? She said, what are you going to do now? I said, God says, go home and just sit. And he says, Psalms 4610, be still and know that I'm God. That's what he kept, Holy Spirit kept telling me that. Be still and know that he's God. And I went home and sat and didn't do anything. And when I went into this here, this book here. I start, I didn't start playing with it. I start eating it. Start eating it. Got so close to God, this got, this became my whole life. Because that was the new that God had for me on the other side. But I just had to do the work. See, if you never do the work, you can never get to where God wants you to get to. See, it's going to be some work that you got to do to get where God wants you to get so he can use you mightily for his glory. You know, and it wasn't until I surrendered myself to to that principle of my life with with God 
And I never looked back. I tell you, when I, when, I got, when I got there and started getting in the book, and I just started dialoguing, and me and the Holy Spirit, started, I started talking to him, and he started showing me scriptures, and, talk, and said, it's in the scriptures. Your life and the empowerment is in the scriptures, because the scriptures changes you. It liberates you. It redeems you. Amen? Your re- number four, your relationship with the church. The body of Christ. I love that. You have to have a relationship with the church. Too many folks don't have the proper relationship with the church. That's why they're not living a victorious life. Because it's the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. It's not the building. The church is inside of you. The church is about what are you doing to get up for God's kingdom? What are you doing to help the church? What? Oh, hallelujah. I could wish I could get you to understand your principles, you know, the principles about the church. The greatest gift that a man can give to himself is give himself to the church and become a servant. That's the greatest gift you will ever give to yourself because God will use you greatly and mightily to help. So you don't mean you got to preach? Nobody ever, ever, who wants to preach? <laughs> Nobody wants to preach. If God calls you, you're going to preach. But you got to do something for the kingdom of God. You got to get beside yourself, gentlemen. You got to get beside yourself. You got to start kicking doors down, waking up Sunday morning and say, I'm going to church. Football can wait. I can tell you what's going to happen. Somebody going to win, somebody going to lose. <laughs> but I got I to be in church, you know. I got to go through that period. Me and Trace, was, we, that, that was our life. That became our life. Church became our life. Still is our life today. Church became our life Sunday morning. Church became our life Wednesday night, Bible study. So you can grow. So you can be discipled. So you can learn through the pastor of the church here that teaches you the word of God and you take it home and you go home and you, you dissect it, you eat on it, and then you start to grow. See, the people don't grow because they don't dissect the word of God. They don't have a Bible. They don't have notes. I see, I used to see my wife in church. She had a notepad, notebook, and she was growing. I'm sitting over here just in there. <laughs> then I heard her one day get up and speak. I was like, where'd she get all that information from? <laughs> I was like, man, I need that information like that, man. I was like, I got to do something different. You know, I got to get up. <laughs> Some of us just sit here and we just, we come and we go and we think that's it. And, you know, man, it is, a, it, it is so much revelation and information in this word of God that God will reveal to you if you just get in it. Gentlemen, God will show you who you are. He will show you why he created you. See, I used to think it was about the sports I was playing and why. What, no, that was the platform. That was the platform why he gives to us, some of us. But the gift that he gives to you, the gift that's inside, is different than anything you will ever receive. Because it's God himself and our Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit that operates and dwells in a man's life and allow a man to have incredible insight and wisdom and knowledge because he have committed himself to God. 
It, it, it will never happen if you don't commit yourself to God. You can see you sit here all day long and come to church all day long, but if you never commit yourself to God, if you never go in there and get on your face with God and say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I have done wrong. I have hurt people. Don't think I'm different now, but I hurt first marriage, second marriage, kids. I hurt everybody because I was a, 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 a complete heathen. Because I thought it was all about me. And when I went to God and finally I laid on my face and I just, oh, forgive me. I stayed hours on my face with God asking him to forgive me. Then God knows you're ready. God knows you're serious when you're ready to come to that place with him like that. Because we, 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 we dress it up, you know, on the outside what we look like. I look good on the outside. When I'm looking in the mirror, I used to be like, oh, we look good, you know. But my whole inside, my whole inside's toxic. Because I don't have the principles, the right principles in my life. And we need to find those right principles in our life. It's so important as a man that we come to that place to find the real principles of our life and, and our real commitment and being real serious about this walk with God. You know, repenting to God and asking God to forgive you. He will. That's the greatest thing about it. He will forgive you. You know, most of us think he won't, but we just can't keep going back and dealing with the same, same old thing, you know, standing in the same old sin and just keep doing the same old thing and looking for a different result and, and nothing's happening. It don't happen that way. We need to ask God to forgive me and I need to turn from those wicked ways. You know, it's just like Second Chronicles 7, 14, talking about if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek, you know, he says it. If my people, we are his people. See, the Israelites didn't realize that Moses was great leader and he was a man of meekness and he was trying to lead them into the promised land, which would have been 11 days, but they complained so much, God sent them in the wilderness for another 40 years. That's what God does to us as people. If we just sit and complain, he'll let you just stay over in the wilderness. Don't you want to come out of the wilderness? Don't you want to be free? You know, don't you, want, don't you want the joy of the Lord in your life? Don't you want the happiness, the real happiness of being a Christian and a Christ follower in your life? Don't you want that? It's real. It's good, people. If you don't believe me, just go Google me. <laughs> if you don't believe I wasn't a train wreck and I... I didn't get a T-17169 Florida State Prison for 11 months because of addiction. Had cancer twice and lost my left kidney. And I, I sat in the hospital. I said, God, why don't you just let me die? You know what God said? It's not about you. I'm going to use you despite you. That's a word for somebody. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about his plan. It's about you making that commitment and giving your life up and dying like Christ did on the cross so that you can have life. 
Christ died. You know, Galatians 2.20 talks about it. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. It is Christ who rules and reigns over my life. Gentlemen, you got to get to that place where Christ rule and reign over your life. Not the job. Some of you got jobs and, and you need to be careful at your jobs. You need to be careful with those Delizas and Jezebels and how they be saying, Hello. You better start talking about, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Because, the, see, the devil don't play. He don't play fair. You know, he sets you up and you make you think that's okay. Oh, she's saying hi to me. Boy, you got a wife at home. You better rebuke that. You better keep on moving. Think about that woman at home. I love my wife. I'm going home to get a meal. Devil, you're a liar. You better learn to talk, talk that way and keep it moving. Don't be sitting there talking about having some conversation to her with us. Well, let's go to lunch. Devil, you a liar. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you brothers some, some, real, some real meat to eat on and chew on today. Because this, this is a real game that we play out here and live in with the enemy that he plays and he deceives us and makes us believe all this stuff. And, you know, me strolling across the Internet and you look at something and go, oh, you better keep on going. Because let me tell you, once, once he lures you in with, his, with those eyes, you're in trouble. You got to keep moving, brothers. I'm just trying to help you today so you can be empowered. See, John 3.30 talks about it. He must increase, but I must decrease. See, he's got to increase in you. Let him, incre let him increase in you, brother. Because, uh, you know, to be, to, meet, to be a great man and to be a great man that you want to be, a man of God, doesn't make you a weak man because you listen to your wife. It makes you a greater man. Me listen to my wife. Saved me a lot of headaches. I used to say, oh, I got it. I got this. But guess what? I kept getting in the same situation. When I started listening to her, because, see, God gives her wisdom too. When I started listening to her and she said, don't do this and don't, you got to stop. And she was like, you, you're not supposed to go into business at the restaurant. I went in anyway and I was miserable. God made me miserable. She said, God don't want you in the restaurant business. You're supposed to be in ministry. But I went anyway, and I ended up miserable. <laughs> she says, I'm going to just let God deal with you. <laughs> so, ladies, sometimes you just got to say, I'm just going to let God deal with you. Because that's what she said. I'm going to let God deal with you. You ain't supposed to be in no restaurant business, having no bar. You know, you a Christian. You a man of God. She said, well, I'm just going to let God deal with you. Guess what? God dealt with me too. Guess what he did? He brought me completely to my knees. Some of you need to know that you don't have to be brought completely to your knees. You just need to start obeying and following God's commandments and God's principles. And you need to become an important part of what the church is. What do a successful marriage look like? Overcoming your issues. You must go through to get through. Get to where you got to go. You got to go through to get to. You got to clean up your act, not the outside, but the inside. 
You got to deal with money issues. You got to deal with kids. You got to deal with bills. How can I achieve a restoration through God's grace and biblical principles, studying the word, treating each other with love, kind words, and action? That's how you get moving forward. You here today, gentlemen, you need to love that woman that's next to you. You need not to take her for granted. You need to love her. You need to learn how to start holding her hand and walking with her, something I had to learn to do because I didn't know how to do. God had to teach me how to love her. If you allow God to teach you how to love your spouse, everything will work together for the good. He's already said it. It all works together for the good. That's what Romans 8.28 is all about. And we know all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord to those who are called according to his purpose. When you are called according to his purpose, it will work together for the good. It is the most incredible thing that a man can do in his life is give his life to Jesus. Die. Give his life to Jesus and walk with humility and watch God exalt you for his glory. Because that's what he does. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Grace Covenant Church. Thank you, staff and everyone for allowing me to be here. Now I'm going to allow my wife to come up here. And she's just going to give you everything. (laughs) (laughs) She got everything in the book for you. So bless you guys. Thank you so much. All right. Stand up and stretch if you need to. It's all right. In between sessions, stand up and stretch. There we go. You know, it's amazing when Daryl talks about, you know, my, my wife says this and my wife had to tell me this and my wife had to tell me that. And that's because I love my husband, not because I want to order him around. There's a big difference. And I'm a woman of God who is in my prayer closet praying for my husband because I know the weight that the man of God in the household has to carry. And as his wife, one of my greatest roles and such an honorable role is to pray for my husband. Ladies, we have to be praying women, lifting up our husbands because They have this whole world out there that they have to see. And the point of being in the prayer closet is for me to see what he can't see. For me to be the place in the position where he can't see. Not because I'm trying to tell him or order him and trying to strip him of his leadership. That's the worst thing we can do. I'm not stripping him of his leadership. I'm saying, baby, the Lord showed me something that's going to hurt you because I'm covering you. I'm going to take extra time in my prayer closet and lift you up as the leader of this household. And I came to Christ first. I was stronger in the Lord first. So it kind of was operating backwards. So it was a balance of, Lord, how do I love him into his leadership? How do I love him into his leadership? So I can be believing. If I'm believing for the man I need him to be, I have to allow him to be that man, even if it's making mistakes. I have to allow him to find his way while I'm lifting him up as we can walk along the right way. Amen. Last night we talked about starting this thing outright, surrendering to Christ and coming to the cross. We talked about when you come together in marriage and you get married, you marry every part of me. How I was raised, because that's our molding. 
When you're first born into your family, that's your first introduction to who God is or who he is not. It's where we first learn how to love or not to love. It's where the character of Jesus Christ is either developed in us or it's not. When we become teenagers, it becomes our own choice whether or not we choose to adopt faith in Jesus Christ that was given to us in a godly household and a godly home, or you choose to walk away from it. We have choices that we make. We talk about behaviors. We learned last night that God doesn't change marriages. He changes the people within the marriage. So the prayer has to change. Instead of God change my marriage, God change me. God change me is now the proper prayer that's going to position each one of us within our marriages to become a healthy me so we can become a healthy we. Now we're going to get back to the basics and we're going to walk right in. And ladies, we're going to have more conversation later. But for all of us, one of the greatest places and positions where we need to understand the word of God clearly is the subject of forgiveness. Forgiveness is so powerful. Jesus Christ died for all sins for everyone. Now let's define all sins. All sins doesn't just mean what you've done. It means everything that you've done, every lifestyle you've lived in, every sin you've ever committed, every thought that does not line up with the word of God, every action, every deed that does not line up with the will of God, that's sin. Also, Everything that has been done to you sins against you. Even though we sin against the Father, the sins against the Father tear us down and leave us scarred. So there's two portions of this. So when I talk about this subject today, which is the freedom to forgive and the truth about trust, I'm talking about taking everything to the cross. I'm talking about a do-over. I'm talking about we get a do-over right here where we are. Whether you're dating, courting, or you're married, we get to embrace a do-over right here, right now. That's the beauty of Jesus Christ and coming to the cross of Jesus Christ. Many times people will say, you know what? Forgiveness is just a little bit too much for me. We're going to find out the difference. We're going to find out what's really wrong with us, what we really struggle with. Amen? For example, have you ever heard anyone say you're in a fight or you're in an argument? Have you ever said to someone, you broke my forgiveness? You never say that, do you? Never. What do you say? You broke my heart. You broke my trust. So let's settle it right out of the gate. When we leave here today, we should never ever wrestle or struggle with forgiveness, unforgiveness ever again. Forgiveness is not our work. It's the work of Jesus Christ. We can never accomplish it. He knew we could not because those sins run deep. He's the only one that can accomplish it. We don't work on forgiveness. It's not our work. We don't withhold forgiveness because he's already accomplished it. It's already done. Amen? He settled it. He settled it. We're going to learn what real forgiveness is and how you really do it. And how we really do it is to embrace what he's already done. What we struggle with is the brokenness, the broken trust, the broken heart issue, 
like we talked about last night in Jeremiah 17. The heart is desperately wicked. It's evil. Who can understand it? But I, the Lord, search the heart and the mind in that prayer closet because he doesn't want anything left in there. Because what's left in there is what's reproducing the fights, the arguments, the adulteries, the the lack of discipline, the lack of self-control. Galatians chapter 5 is a real good chapter to find out what we're crossing over into. Amen? It says the works of the flesh, the sins of the flesh, outbursts of anger and rage, drunkenness, wild parties. There's a whole list of them. But he says when you come to the cross and you start to get right with me and you start to pray for the character of Christ, we have to ask for forgiveness first of all things. And we cross over into the second portion of Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit. Peace, love, joy, discipline, self-control. Lord, I'm ready for it. Amen. We're going to need peace in our marriages. We're going to need love, discipline, self-control. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the one that produces that fruit. The Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God alone. Amen. Let's get started in this. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. There was three scriptures that really challenged me when Daryl and I were going through our things. And one of the, the top number one for me was this. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will not forgive you. Excuse me. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, here's what the flesh says. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what they've done to me. Don't you be telling me some scripture about Jesus. Like, not even the Lord knows what's been done to you. Have you ever been in that place? You hear a scripture like this? I mean, it's not conviction that comes upon you. It's like something smacked you right in the face. And your flesh rises up and you want to fight back. You don't know what? He's a good, good father. Mm-hmm. Forgive? Come on, good father. What are you talking about? You don't understand what's been done to me. That's that flesh. Because the flesh is not willing. The Bible teaches us our flesh, our emotions that aren't, aren't contained by the spirit of the living God. It is not willing. And that's what the flesh says. The spirit says, I'm willing. So if you're strong in me, your willingness is going to be a step in an act of faith, not based on a feeling that says, I'm not going to do it. Amen. This is the scripture, the person that says, I will never forgive something so deep. And I'm going to go there today. I'm talking about abuse. I'm talking about sexual abuse. I'm talking about incest. I'm talking about infidelities. I'm talking about fatherless fathers. I'm talking about fatherless mothers. I'm talking about broken marriages. I'm talking about all these things, this molding before we ever step in front of one another, before we ever say, I do the afflictions of the heart. This is how we get rid of them. Here's the second one. Matthew five, chapter 23, chapter five, verse 23 and 24. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother. And then come and present your offering to me. 
This is the person in the presentation of the flesh that says, I'm working on forgiveness. No, no, no. Wait, I'm working on forgiveness. I'm not ready to forgive. I'm working on forgiveness. This is also the person who says, I can't forgive myself. I was that person for a long time. Like what kind of mother loses their children to drug addiction? Do you know how long it took me before I understood these principles that I could be forgiven for something like that? I turned myself over to God I don't know how many times. And I kept saying, I still feel this. Something's wrong. This forgiveness thing is supposed to be so powerful, but I can't get rid of this. Something's wrong. And it was. I didn't understand the word of God. I didn't go deep enough. You ever thought you've forgiven someone and then you see them and everything just comes up and you just look at that person. You think you're going to come unsaved and have to be saved again in five minutes. (laughs) Talking real today, right? And many times we wake up next to that someone, amen, because we are talking about marriage. All right, now I'm in the right house. Let's keep going. Amen. Working on forgiveness, not our work. We never forget. We never work on forgiveness. We're going to find out why. Matthew 18, verse 22 and 24, here's the third one. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times, saying, I repent, forgive him. This is where the flesh says, what, I'm a doormat now? Like you can just treat me any old way and I just have to keep putting up with this behavior? I call this a cycle of sin. Loving somebody or someone is in your life that... They're just not a casual acquaintance. They're either your spouse or maybe even a child or an in-law or a family member. So you have to be present within that situation. I call it a cycle of sin where that person doesn't want to get right or that person continues to, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again person. You know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. I promise it's going to be different. I promise it's going to be different. So the flesh looks at this as a doormat, like the cycle of sin, like I'm just supposed to keep putting up with all of this stuff. Well, let me tell you, the spiritual side of things, because there's absolutes to forgiveness. In those three scriptures, Jesus teaches us, number one, that forgiveness is immediate. And you don't have to go crazy writing all these notes down. I already see that it's in your books. So let me lift you from that burden. So you can, we can just listen. Forgiveness is immediate. Forgiveness is not optional. And forgiveness is repetitive. Forgiveness is immediate because God doesn't want that offense to take root in your heart and bear a stronghold in your life. So it turns into bitterness. So the spirit of the living God says, I'm trying to lead you somewhere. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to cleanse you. Forgiveness is the operational system of cleansing and forgiveness. It's the operational system of cleansing. It's the gateway to healing. I don't want you to harbor this. It's not optional. Because when you deny forgiveness, you deny the work of Jesus Christ. A Christian denying Christ. 
So when you deny Christ, you deny the power of Christ. You deny your healing. You deny his best. You deny your next level. You have to carry the weight of sin that Jesus Christ died so you can be alleviated from that. There's no relief. There's no way out. That burden of sin, you will carry it. It will grow. It gets heavy. It comes out. It manifests itself in behaviors. Bitterness, rage, anger, resentment, confusion turns into addiction, adultery. I'm looking for relief. I'm looking for something. I'm going to treat you any old way because I'm angry inside. I'm angry inside. I'm stuck. And we can go for years not understanding the spiritual principle of where that comes from. And the Bible has the answer. It's forgiveness. So powerful. Forgiveness is just the, the entryway. It's just the step. So when you talk about forgiveness, you have to talk about rebuilding trust. You have to talk about boundaries. You have to talk about what it looks like if I'm loving a person that's lost in a cycle of sin. What do I do? Because you are not a doormat. You are a Christian. Excuse me. You are a Christian. You have to safeguard your life. So there's boundaries. Just because I'm a Christian does not mean you can treat me any old way. And if you want to continue to go cheat on me and sleep around, you're not coming home and sleeping in this bed. Talking truth in here. I don't know how to preach any other way. So you ask the wrong person if you're looking for patty cake because I don't know how to do that. Amen. I'm sorry. (laughs) Come on, Lord. Amen. It's loving your kids and saying, I love you with every fiber in my being, but I'm not putting up with this nonsense. And you're not going to live like that here. And you're not going to talk to me like that. And that's not how it's going down in this house. But I love you with the greatest love. You see that balance, that spiritual position, but that boundary, amen? Because we get to this next slide here. And the struggle is challenging our human ability to accomplish a spiritual thing. See, when we listen to the flesh like I talked about there, see, we're taking away the solution. Because this kind of offense, these betrayals, sin requires a spiritual solution. That's the only solution. That's the only solution. So when you say, I'm not going to forgive, are we delayed, number one? When forgiveness is delayed, your healing and your, and your freedom is delayed. Denied. When you deny the act of forgiveness, I refuse, I will not do it. You are denying your healing. You're denying your restoration. You're denying your relief. You're denying the Holy Spirit access into your heart. And you're going to do it your own way. And that doesn't turn out so good. Disbelief. That is produced within us when we hold unforgiveness. Now you start to even get angry in God. God, won't you do it? And he's not doing it because somebody that you love is caught in free will. And that cycle of sin, God will do it for all of us. But we have to say yes to him and enter in. He's waiting. We are not robots. Free will. Amen? What forgiveness is not, please let us clarify. Forgiveness is not excusing or condoning what has happened to you. It's not okay. And one of our greatest introductions of forgiveness is when we're children. 
out on the playground, something happens. What do you do? Moms get the kids together. You put them in front of one another. This is probably the only instruction of forgiveness that I ever had. What do you do? Tell them you're sorry. I'm sorry. Say, okay. It's okay. But think about what we just said. What you did to me is okay. The Bible is very clear that when we hurt one another, it is not okay. Sin is never okay. It is not okay. When we get married and we say we are married through the good times and the bad, that doesn't give us a license to, I can treat you any way you, that I want to, and you just have to stay with me. That's not what that means. The good times and the bad, bad times, when things come up, when things come up, it doesn't give us a license to treat each other any old way. It's not okay to say no to Jesus Christ. It's not okay to say no to forgiveness because you make your partner pay the price. You make your kids pay the price. It's not okay for us to treat each other that way and stay sick at heart. Amen? The answer is yes. Yes to freedom. Yes to a new heart. Yes to joy, peace, love, discipline, self-control in Jesus' name. Number two, it does not always mean reconciliation. Some people have to get out of your life. It doesn't always mean you can stay in my space. You're too dangerous to be there. You notice how this encompasses life, not just marriage. Why? Because, again, it's the problems that are produced within the people that bring problems into the marriage. We're getting rid of all the stuff. All the stuff. Forgiveness does not mean everything between us is okay now. Daryl and I went through this. I can't tell you how many times. But you said you've forgiven me. Yes, I have forgiven you over and over and over again, but I don't trust you. We're not there yet. Amen? And there's been times where he has, he has had to forgive me for several different things too. Tracy, yes, I forgive you, but I don't trust you. I'm still hurting. So you don't just say, I've forgiven you, and then everything is just okay now. Remember, forgiveness is just the first step. Forgiveness means release. Forgiveness means I've given God permission to enter me through the rest of this journey. We just started. Forgiveness is never broken, and therefore it is never worked on. We already talked about that. You don't break my forgiveness, you break my heart, and you break my trust. So we have the job with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to go through the healing process, and now we have to learn how to rebuild trust, and that takes time. Believe it or not, forgiveness is this quick. Forgiveness is the quick part. It's the quick part. It's the prayer closet part where you get down on your knees and say, God, I release. I want you to start thinking about forgiveness as this word, I release. I give it to you, I can't carry it. Forgiveness is I give it to you where you brought it to the cross. I accept the work that you've done for me, Lord Jesus. I can't carry it, I can't bear it. It's yours. I release every detail of the situation. I release myself, I release my partner, whoever. I forgive my father. I release my father. I release my mother. I release the government. I release the teacher. I release the front. I release the past relationship. I forgive my ex-husband. That's for a few of you like me out there. 
I forgive my ex-wife. And the child support check I have to write every week. I'm just, come on. This stuff causes a lot of fights in marriage. Stirs. I forgive. Amen? I release. But now there's more work to be done. Forgiveness is not our work or accomplishment. Therefore, it is never, ever worked on. You hear those people, I'm still working on forgiveness. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready. These are things we hear, don't we? We have to settle that issue today. It's not our work. When you understand the word of God, you say, you know what? I'm not going to delay. I'm not going to withhold. Forgiveness is not optional. I want to get in that prayer closet as soon as possible because I don't want to carry this thing. And I don't want more destruction to be birthed inside of me and afflicted upon anybody else. Forgiveness is... Forgiveness is the operational system of the cleansing of the heart. You don't go into surgery for the major work before they cleanse the area. I have to go through Jesus first. Amen. Come on now. If not, we're going to get infected. We're going to mess some stuff up. Come on. Some of you are trying to rebuild trust and go out on date night, but I'm working on forgiving you. Hold up. And heaven forbid, don't go on vacation where you're locked up together looking at each other for a week. What do you think you're going to talk about? Lord, help us. Thank God he does. Amen. Because I'm just looking at you, thinking about the offense, eating my salad, looking at the ocean, thinking about how I'm going to drown you. Amen. Come on. What you going to talk about with an unhealed heart? Oh, just go to dinner. Go on vacation. Don't do that. We're learning some stuff in here, aren't we? Forgiveness is the gateway to healing and rebuilding trust. This is the gift. This is the opening area where we step in and say, Lord, I can receive the rest of what you've done. Because remember, healing is in, in the name of Jesus. Every great and good gift, everything that we need is in Christ. But where did it start? What did he have to do first? We had to die to self, die to that sin. Jesus had to die for us, didn't he? Forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. It's the most powerful thing. Forgiveness makes us right with God. Forgiveness makes us right with ourselves. And forgiveness makes us right with others. And until we forgive, we can't accomplish anything else underneath that. Forgiveness is accomplished through faith and belief in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is where it comes in, Pastor D. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? We know he will do it because he's already done it. There's proof that he will because it's already been done. Amen? Come on. We just need the courage to get in there. Why is forgiveness so important? What does it accomplish? It cleanses your heart, positions you for healing. Forgiveness sets you free. What are the effects of unforgiveness? Love the media team who I just sprung this on this morning. Bless you. The effects are Jeremiah 17. The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. He gets to the root. He gets to the root. 
He gets to the root. He goes down deep. We are usually trying to work on surface problems. And until you get down to the root, it's not going away. It's coming back up. That same fight, that same place, that same situation. 20 years later, fighting about the same thing. Can't get past. Can't get over. Can't get through. Forgive. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. He takes away the front. He's a good, good father. Hurts are housed in the heart, making it hopelessly dark, deceitful, and even wicked. Hurts housed in the heart produce anger, rage, and resentment. It makes the heart wounded and sick. A denial of faith. When you say, I will not forgive you, you are denying the work of the cross by shutting Jesus out through disobedience. And now, if you don't take it to the cross, it can't die. What's the purpose of him taking everything to the cross so it could die? What's the purpose of the resurrection so you can get out of the prayer closet and rise up into a new person, the resurrected person? Amen. The very same power that raised Christ from the dead now becomes alive inside of you because we mourn the Holy Spirit when we disobey Christ. So when we say, no, I'm not going to forgive you, we can't put it to death. And I don't care how many times you pray, God, I'm working on forgiveness. I'm working on forgiveness. You're praying to death prayer. The Holy Spirit only responds to the word of God. Only. Why? Because it's truth. Only. When I get down in that closet and I do it by faith, I do it afraid, I do it angry, I do it with the emotion, Holy Spirit goes to work and says, now we can get work in here because now I'm going to undo what's already been done to you. I'm going to start to undo, and I'm going to start to make you into a new person, and I'm going to start to do my mighty work. You hear that saying all the time, God's doing a mighty work in you, sister. I used to be like, what is that? I'm not feeling too mighty right now. Feeling mighty dangerous right now, actually. Amen? Until I learned this and I got down deep with God, I get in that prayer closet, I don't care how I feel, and I don't wait because I know what the devil has taken from me, and he's not taken anymore. It costs me too much. Disobedience costs way too much, way too much for us to play with the obedience of the Word of God. It costs us marriages. It costs us children. Come on. It costs you your mind. It costs you your peace. It costs you your marriage bed, the place where it should be pure and pleasurable. Yeah. I'm talking real stuff here. Yeah. It's costing you. Great. Stop paying the price. You don't have to. You don't have to. We're coming out. Amen? Yeah. Spiritual process of forgiveness. We have to understand what's done in the natural happens in the spiritual realm first. That's why Christ is first. Jesus is first. The word of God is Lord over our life. That's how Jesus becomes Lord over your life. I start to live according to the word of God. That's my measure. That's my direction. That's how I do it. Amen? Three R's. Release. Release the person and all that is attached to the situation into the hands of God. Receive. You are now positioned to receive cleansing, healing, and freedom through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You're ready. Relief is experienced by releasing the burden into the hands of Jesus Christ and experiencing healing. Amen. You see how that starts to work into a word we call wholeness. Let's get into trust. The four C's of trust. 
Character, custody, commitment, and care. What's a marriage built on? A foundation? Trust, isn't it? Love is birthed out of trust, isn't it? Love is birthed out of trust. What's your relationship with God built on? Trust. Many people can say they love God, but they don't trust God. Because if you trusted God, you would tithe. If you trusted God, you would get in the prayer closet and you'd forgive right away. If you trusted God, you'd walk away. If you trusted God, you'd walk in. If you trusted God, you could get up out of that bed out of depression and oppression. If you trusted God, God, I love you, but no. God, I love you because I trust you. God, I love you because I trust you, because I know who you are in the word of God. I know you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And the way I walk out my life in the midst of is my proof that I do. The way I walk in my daily life is my proof that I trust you. The joy in the midst of the storm, the peace in the midst of the storm. Amen. Come on now. I'm writing the tithe check anyway when I can't pay the groceries and do this stuff. Come on. When Daryl and I first started, he taught me how to tithe because I fought him on that. He wants what? 10%? I'm a numbers girl. 10. Hold up now. Tracy, I want you to write a check for $250. <laughs> we don't have 25 in the account. We were living in my parents' basement, remember? He said, but I heard God. He said, I don't know what's going to come of that. I'm not worried about the blessing because I know there's a reason he's putting it on my heart. We're going to just do this. I had to trust him. Money was a big thing for me. It was a big issue. I always felt I didn't have enough. There was never enough. There was never enough. I would hoard it, and then I'd yell at him, what do you mean you spent $20 today? We fought about money a lot. I had to get in my prayer closet, and I had to get right with God in that situation. Why was I always that way? Because I didn't trust God to provide for us and trust him. Character, firm reliance on the integrity, ability, or character of a person or a thing. Character is everything. Character is who you really are on the inside. Amen? So if you're dating and you're courting or if you're married and you have issues in your marriage, like Daryl and I had to go into the prayer closet with adulteries and addictions, those deep things. Why? Why were these things happening? We didn't have the character of Christ within us. We needed a new heart. You need new character. You need to start praying. Holy Spirit, produce the character of Jesus Christ in me. The character Character makes you able, a firm reliance on the integrity. Integrity means you will do what's right when no one is looking because it's naturally who you are. You don't have to try. Ability. If you don't have the right character to be married, you're not able to love me. If you're not a man of godly character, a woman of godly character, we're pinpointing some stuff today. You can't love me if you wanted to. You can't tell me you're sorry again and make it right again until you allow God to change your heart. You're not right, and it's not going to come out right again. Good fruit doesn't come from bad fruit. Good fruit doesn't come from a hurt heart. Good fruit doesn't come from bad character. In Jesus' name, reconstruct us, Holy Spirit. Custody and care. Custody and care is another part of trust. Can I entrust my heart into your care? Are you going to take care of it? The custody of my children was taken. 
out of my care. Why? Because I was not able. I was not trustworthy to raise them the right way. I told you we're going to talk about real stuff in here. And why does that choke me up? Even as a blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled, strong, firm woman of God, because sin is never okay. It's never okay. So when I say something like that, I know the power of sin, but ooh, I understand his grace on such a level. Come on. Not the grace to sin, but the power of God not to sin. The power of God that is healing my heart. The power of God that can stand for my children right now, right where they're at. I know how to lead them now. I'm not only a good example. I can teach them how to get into this deep place. The deep place that I took them over there, I can now take them over here. Come on, somebody. We're getting ready for some stuff. Commitment. To give and trust or charge, to pledge oneself. We got to be ready to pledge ourselves. We got to be people of character, people of integrity. We have to be ready. We have to be able. We have to be able to get into that place. Amen? Are we talking some stuff today? Talking about surrendering to all who Jesus is, not just Lord forgive me and saying, saying a sinner's prayer. When you say the sinner's prayer, you say, I'm opening my heart to a new way. I don't know yet. You've said, I've opened my heart to a new way. Now we have to learn the new way. We're going to close with this chart right here. And this is in your books as well. This is in your books. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is not our work, but the work of Jesus displayed through his character and the work done on the cross. Look at trust. See, trust is developed and displayed through our integrity, our character, and our ability. Forgiveness is immediate. It's never broken. It never needs to be rebuilt. But look at trust. Trust gets broken. Trust takes time to become trustworthy. How to trust others and to rebuild trust. Forgiveness is what? Immediate, right away, not optional. Have we settled that issue today? Are we going to get in the prayer closet? When we go home and say enough is enough, I'm getting right, I'm getting ready, I'm getting it out, I'm going to be restored, amen? And then I'm going to operate in wisdom and understand that we need to have another discussion and outline some boundaries and outline some direction and outline how we're going to learn how to rebuild trust and realize that while we're rebuilding this trust, we're also being healed, so we're very sensitive, buttons are easily pushed Amen? Because we have to understand our position, which is in Christ, our condition, which is in a healing process. We're still sick. Amen? And where we're going has to be defined. Forgiveness is not proven. No one gets to prove that they are worthy of forgiveness because none of us are worthy. None of us. I release you, Lord Jesus Christ, to do with him as you will. Proven over time by consistent right actions is trust. It's proven over time. So you have to prove that you're trustworthy. Not prove that you're forgiveness worthy. Prove that you're trustworthy. Big difference. Amen? Come on. Forgiveness is released, not accomplished. Trust is accomplished over time. There are no levels of relationships of forgiveness. There are different levels and degrees and relationships of trust. Forgiveness is a step, not a journey. You don't have to read a 250-page book on forgiveness. Where's the book on trust and restoration? Amen? It's the word of God. Trust is right now. You learn what you need to learn about forgiveness right here today. Amen? 
Forgiveness is not our struggle, battle, or issue. Trust becomes a battle, struggle, and issue when it's broken. Forgiving is an act of embracing your faith, receiving all that Jesus died to give you. It is the beginning of freedom, the gateway to healing and rebuilding trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That sick, wicked, evil thing. You got to trust him with it. I release it to you, Lord. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, my own ways anymore. Even my own way of healing, even my own thought of healing, even my own thought of rebuilding this trust or rebuilding me so my marriage can be rebuilt. I'm going to trust you with it, Lord. Understanding in all my ways that we are going to acknowledge you and you're going to direct our paths. Bless you.